clarity up and saying that it has to be the final verse. You do two choruses there and then two bridges, right? The other bridge.
good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Welcome. If you are here in person, worshiping with us online today, so glad that you're with us. Uh, my name is Aaron Rosenau. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen me for a while, I thought I should introduce myself again. Uh, between preaching over at our Faith Ministry Center, being at Camp Luther for a week, being on vacation, uh, been a little while since I was here at Celebration, so good to be with you. Um, we're continuing a series this summer all summer long in a series called Rethink, and we're rethinking the lies that we believe. So rather than believing what the world says, what we tell ourselves, we want to believe the truth of God's Word, and so we're digging into uh, some of these lies. Um, last week, this week, we're talking about marriage and marital lies. Don't worry, there's something for everybody. No matter your station in life, even if marriage is a long way off or a long way behind, um, there's still something to be learned. Um, There's also a service of communion today, so we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper, and we'll invite you to come forward a little bit later. And uh, we believe that we're very much sinners in need of God's grace, and he offers us that grace in the very body and blood of Christ, which he gives in the bread and the wine for our forgiveness. We call that real presence. And if that is your belief as well about the Lord's Supper, we invite you to join us for, uh, for communion a little bit later. Um, also, this is the third weekend of the month. On the third weekend of the month, we like to give away a portion of the offering that comes to us. So what we call our loose plate offering. If it's not directed to faith, if it's just a loose $20 bill or 25 cents or whatever it is, we are going to give that this week to PLI. PLI is an organization that uh, trains pastors and other leaders in the church all around the world. Uh, for instance, just in Ethiopia, training 10,000 pastors and lay leaders in that one country alone. So just a great ministry that we like to support, and um, so the offering will go there to PLI this week. Um, also tonight, if you hadn't heard, uh, tonight Faith Lutheran has rented out Mead Pool here in Appleton, and we're gonna, just going to have a pool party from 7 to 9 p.m. tonight. So if you don't have anything else going on, and you want to invite your neighbors, your friends, anybody else, uh, it's not restricted just to faith members. Just uh, come on out, uh, have a, enjoy the, enjoy the uh, break from the sunshine, and um, join us at Mead Pool. Um, and then last chance to sign up for Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School is coming up at the, the first week of, of August. So it actually starts July 31st on Monday. It goes through Thursday of that week, uh, August 3rd. So if you're able to uh, sign up your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor's kids, your co-workers' kids uh, for Vacation Bible School, it's great. There's uh, still room for that. Um, and... Uh, I should say, just before we get started in worship today, that we have had to, in the last minute, I mean, literally in the last hour, adjust the music for today. So I was not planning on singing, but I'm going to be singing. And uh, so have a lot of grace for the band as we sort of, you know, we'll lead you as best we can in, uh, in worship today. But um, yeah, let's stand up and, uh, and worship the Lord as we sing together.
ask that God would open up the floodgates and show us his glory, but sometimes we don't always see God at work. There are so many times where we feel that in our lives, though we wanna see God, we wanna see him at work, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to find. We're gonna sing this next song, it's called Waymaker, which speaks so much to how God would actually uh, demonstrate his work even when we can't see it. When we can't hear it, we don't feel it, God is still the one working and he is bringing healing, he's bringing strength, he's bringing grace and love into our lives even when it's not so obvious. Let's sing about the way maker.
come now in confession to our miracle worker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness. Let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. So let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. I know it sounds harsh, it sounds really extreme, but it's true, we just confess this, that we deserve God's present and eternal punishment. Because of our sinfulness, we deserve to be completely pushed out and cut out of God's presence. But God is so much more gracious and loving. And he abounds in love. He overflows in mercy. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, as Psalm 103 says. He does not does not repay us according to our sinfulness. He shows us grace. Because of Jesus, I can tell you that you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, which was poured out for you. You are free from guilt, shame, all sin, and rescued from death, and invited in the presence of the King. You are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Please be seated as we continue to sing.
so very grateful of your promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us no matter what it is we're going through I know that there are those in this room here worshiping with us online today who are going through some pretty big challenges going through extreme hurt there are those who are celebrating and full of joy. There are those who are full of grief and pain. And whatever it is, you never leave us. We know that your presence goes with us. So we pray, Lord, that you would remind us of that today. Help us to see you in the midst of each and every moment, to be our constant, to be our sovereign, to be the, the good in our life that will never leave us. Encourage us today with that, that great promise, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Turn to the Word of God, which is always constant in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, first of all, as we uh, hear from St. Paul and uh, his speaking of the, the body with his many parts. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While the presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, 
also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with the gift of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I'll show you the most excellent way. Our second reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, as Paul speaks to the life of husbands and wives. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I mentioned at the beginning of worship today that we're continuing this series that we're in all summer called Rethink, Lies That We Believe. And again, last week and this week, we're talking specifically about marital lies, lies we believe about marriage. So there's an old joke that says that there are three rings in marriage. There's the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. <laughs> uh, now, I, it's, it's, it's a joke, it's a really bad one, but I think there are a lot of people who view marriage that way. That marriage is, you're just destined for suffering. And I think that it might actually be part of the decline in marriage today. And I don't mean like decline in people's marriages, but I mean marriage overall. There are fewer people getting married than ever before. There are people who are waiting much later in life to get married. And I think part of it is this negative view about marriage. But marriage, by God's design, is not intended to be suffering. Marriage in God's design is supposed to be a blessing to husbands and wives and to everybody else around them. Although last week we talked about how it's hard work, right? It's hard work on both parts, husband and wife. You know the old expression, it takes two to tango. It takes two people to work hard. 
to make a marriage work. It, make, it takes two to bring problems into a marriage. It, it takes two to bring solutions into the marriage. Now, let, I really should pause here really early on and just address all those of you who are not married. Maybe you're very young and marriage is way off in your future. Don't worry, there's still something for you to learn also. If you're divorced or single, very widowed, maybe you've been married way longer than I have and you're wondering what does this young guy have to say about marriage or what can I learn? We've been in this so long, you know, no use changing now. Don't tune out. Wherever you are in the marriage spectrum, don't tune out because really what we're gonna say today is applicable to every relationship in life. Not just marriage, but how you relate with your kids and your parents and your siblings and your classmates and your coworkers and your neighbors, um, your family members in every kind, right? You name it, every relationship. Now here's the lie that we're talking about today. Really there are two of them, two lies. Number one, my spouse should be more like me. And number two, I should not have to change to make my marriage better. My spouse should be more like me and I should not have to change to make our marriage better. I think this latter one is sort of like the spirit of, I should not have to change. I, you should accept me exactly who I am and that's it, right? That's the mentality. Well, let's look at the first slide. My spouse should be more like me. Years ago, I was doing premarital counseling, which I do anytime I'm gonna do a wedding, get together with a couple and we do some premarital counseling. And years ago, I was with a couple. This was not at this church. This was before I came here to faith. And um, we're sitting down. One of the things we talk about in, in counseling is, uh, is assertiveness, actually being able to share with your spouse when you have some kind of need or you would like them to stop doing something or do something more and actually do that assertively, not aggressively, but lovingly share the need. And on the other side of that too, to be a good listener without judgment, without defensiveness. So assertiveness and, and active listening. And so doing this with the, this couple and this young lady said what she wanted was her soon to be husband to actually get worked up about something. Now I thought, that's a really strange request. What do you mean by you really want him to get worked up about something? And this, this is what she meant. Her uh, emotional scale, let's say, like the range of her emotions ran from, if you know, like a one to 10 scale, hers was maybe a zero to 11, kind of, you know, like it was really extreme emotions. And her soon-to-be husband is very much even-keeled with, uh, on that same 10-point scale, is probably like a 4.8 to a 5.2, like just, you know, like very flat. So he, she said, he never gets really mad about anything and he never really gets excited about anything. He's just so, eh. <laughs> and so she wanted him to get more worked up about things one way or another. What she wanted was for her husband to react to things the way she reacted to them. She wanted him to do things the way she did things, but that wasn't his personality. He was much more even keeled than her. And I think this is what we do sometimes. We expect that our spouse 
or anybody else who's working with us or our neighbors, they're going to do things the way that we want to do them or that we're used to doing them. And the truth is, somebody else is gonna do it differently. My wife is gonna do it differently. I'm gonna do it differently than her. And we had to learn to live with this difference. Um, this is very much what Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about the body of Christ. The body is made up of more than just one part, right? It's, it's many parts. And you can see, see this in a marriage too. Uh, you, you come together to be one flesh, right? There's a spiritual thing that happens when a husband and wife come together and they're one flesh, but they're still individuals. And they still have their personalities and they have their interests and their passions. And they're gonna do things differently in this one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you, right? Paul says, on the contrary, God has arranged each part just as he wants them to be. And I, I find this all the time when I'm doing counseling with couples. They're, they tend to be opposites, right? Opposites tend to attract. Uh, you get one spouse who loves being around people and the other one who just loves me time and being away from people. And you get these two that somehow have found each other and love each other and, and uh, started a marriage together. And, and then they realize, wow, we really are different. And you get one spouse who's really a planner and another one who lives, loves to live spontaneously. You see this in your marriage, anybody? Yeah. Now, the thing is, I could look at my wife. By the way, my wife, love her. She is a planner. She's the one who loves to plan things out in advance. She's the one that recognizes that, okay, we need to send my dad a birthday card because his birthday is in five days or whatever. Um, and I, I'm, I'll just remember, oh, it's, it's his birthday today and give him a call, but she remembers well in advance. Now I'm thinking, oh, snap, it's Christmas Eve. I probably should think about presents, right? My wife has thought about that three months in advance. Uh, we're gonna go on a week-long camping trip next week and um, she's been thinking about this. I'm probably gonna pack my stuff the day of, the day we leave. Um, she's nodding, yep, that's true. And she's been packing things, setting things aside for weeks already for this trip. This is how we are. Now I could look at my wife and I could really bemoan the fact that she just does not do things the way I do. She could really grumble about the fact that I am way late in planning things and setting things and packing. Or we can look at each other and be grateful that God has put someone different in our lives. Number one, if, if my wife were just like me, it would be really boring. But the other thing is that we complement each other. I tend to see big picture and she tends to see details. And so we complement each other in that way. And there are a lot of different ways that we complement. We could actually see those differences as a problem or we can see them as a blessing. My spouse does not need to be just like me. Now go back to that couple that was, had very different emotional scales, right? He's very even keeled, as I said, and she's very extreme in her emotions. As they were talking about this a little bit in our premarital session, I asked her to consider sometime in their future when she had one of those days or weeks or months 
where everything was inside out and upside down, when she was so wound up in emotions that she didn't know what was up and down. And at that moment, thank God for Adam, her husband, who is so even keeled. Because in that time when things are really rough for her and her, her emotions are like this, he can be her rock. I don't know if she really bought it, but that's what we try to work on with her. You make your own judgments on your own marriage, right? And, and make your plans for how you'll be thankful and grateful for your spouse and your partner. On the flip side of this, you know, we should not expect that our spouse is going to be different, but I also should consider how I need to change to make our marriage better. So the second lie is I should not have to change. Let's put that up on the screen. I should not have to change to make our marriage better. That's the lie. To, to get into this a little bit, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to look at a few verses here. Um, starting at verse 22, Ephesians 5. Says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Blake, keep going. There you go. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, a quick story. Very first wedding I did. I graduated from the seminary in 2002. That fall, start my new job at my first church as a pastor. And a couple came to me about a month later and said, we want to get married in the spring. And I said, great, we'll do premarital counseling. Sat down with them in my office, and we each pulled out a Bible. I gave them each a Bible. I had a Bible. We opened up to Ephesians 5, because I said, well, we want to look at God's design for marriage. What does God tell us about marriage in his word? We go to Ephesians 5. And what I always do is I have the bride-to-be read the first few verses Ephesians 5, 22, 23, 24. And I read, have the husband-to-be read the next several verses, starting at verse 25. Um, and then, no kidding, this is what happened. The very first wedding, first premarital counseling session I ever did. We had the Bibles open, and she, he finishes reading, and she slams her Bible shut, puts it on her lap. She says, Pastor, this is where I have a real problem with this. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. <laughs> and so I said, well, what's your problem? What's the objection? And she said, well, why do I have to submit? And all he has to do is love. And I said, oh, okay, I got, I got your objection. Okay, let's look at this, though. Open your Bible again. Let's look at it. And it was just trust me here for a second. We'll actually see what it really means. And, um, and I told her, she looked at me really skeptically, but I said, if you really understand this right, it's really the husband who gets the raw end of the deal on this one. But open it up. So let's look at this for a second. Now, Paul uses two words here. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. And husbands, love your wives. Right? 
But I think that Paul is using the two words submit and love somewhat inter- interchangeably. Uh, they, they mean in this context, they're, they're, they're different words, but they give the same kind of concept of what we're supposed to do as husbands and wives. Now, we, we have this really negative concept about submission in our culture. And the word submit kind of makes you think, oh, you mean I, I have to obey everything that he says? No, that's not what this means. It's not just husband barking out orders and wives than submitting. We kind of read this a lot of times people, maybe one of the most controversial um, Bible passages, because especially in our context, in our culture, people think, well, Paul is just old-fashioned and he's sexist. No, understood rightly, husbands and wives both are submitting and loving. So you go all the way back to the beginning of chapter five in Ephesians, So if you were to have a Bible open in front of you, you look at Ephesians 5, you go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter. This is in verse 22 and 25, but in verse 1, Paul says, be imitators of God, therefore. And by the way, he's not talking to husbands and wives at this point. He's talking to everybody. He's talking about every Christian, male, female, right? It doesn't matter. No matter your place in life, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Now, he's gonna use that exact phrase a little bit later when he's talking about husbands love your wives. Here he's talking about everybody. So wives, are you included in this? Yes, you are. Love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So you're included in that also. Now, you look also where in verse 22, Paul says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, but the verse right before it, he's not talking about husbands and wives yet, but in verse 21, let's put that up on the screen, Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is actually the whole, uh, the whole flow of argument that Paul is using from, the, from chapter five all the way through. Um, he's saying, live a life of love, be imitators of God, One way you do this, submit to one another. Submit to one another. That's how you're, one way that you're an imitator of God is submit to one another. What does that mean, to submit? Well, submit means that you put yourself under someone else. This could be, as a parent, I'm going to put myself under my children and all of their needs as an employer, as as a boss, I'm going to put myself under my employees and those who report to me to serve them, put their needs first. As a husband, I'm going to put my wife first and put myself below her. My wife does the same and submits to me, right? So in every relationship, it doesn't matter. This is verse 21. It's not talking about husbands and wives, The next verse is talking about wives do this for their husbands, and then husbands love your wives. And I always like to point this out too. Love is just not, oh, I I feel really good about someone. And it doesn't just say husbands love your wives, period, does it? Say no, it doesn't. It doesn't just say love your wives, 
What does it say? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So this is what I said to the young lady who was gonna get married and uh, had a real problem with this, this, um, this passage. I said, I mean, really, all you have to do is submit. He has to die. <laughs> no, but it's both. It's mutual. Husbands and wives are all, the, the bottom line in this is that you are putting your spouse ahead of yourself. And it's not that you're thinking of yourself less. It's that you're thinking of the other more. This is exactly what Christ does. So I always pair this, Ephesians 5, with the next book of the Bible, Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. This is, by the way, this is not talking to husbands and wives. This is talking about everybody, again. Right? No matter what the relationship is, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. What is, Paul, what is Jesus' attitude? What is his mindset? He says this actually himself in Matthew chapter 20. He says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is Christ. Christ actually submits himself to us. He puts himself below us. That's exactly what he did. So again, back to Philippians 2, have the same mind as in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself nothing, took on the very nature of a servant, remained in being found in human likeness, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He put himself below for our sake. So what does this look like in a marriage? How do you do this? What do you do? Well, I need to change myself in order to serve my wife. Remember the lie? I shouldn't have to change. No, I should change myself so that I could love my wife. So there's a book that was written maybe 30 years ago now. Maybe many of you know it. It's called The Five Love Languages. Gary Chapman wrote it. The Five Love Languages. Basically, we, we show love to others in certain ways, and we receive love in those ways. It might be quality time or uh, acts of service or words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts. And um, I almost always find this. Husbands and wives are different. So... You know, one person might love to give gifts and the other, and, and then they're thinking, well, my husband's never given me any gifts. He must not love me. No, how, how is he showing love? It's in a different way. Well, sometimes, you know, my wife and I have different, if, if I do acts of service, I do something that she doesn't expect or doesn't ask for, it's just like filling up her love tank. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, this is great. Uh, all I have to do is do something she didn't ask me to do and she feels really great about it. That's her love language. Uh, so what I do in serving her is to think in her language, not in my own. So if my, if my general way of showing love and receiving love is through words of affirmation, but hers is acts of service, I'm not just gonna speak about it, I'm going to do acts of service. That's my serving her. That's changing myself for her sake. 
And this is the model of Christ, right? He submits and he serves us, and he gives us the model for us to do the same, to love and serve our spouses and, again, everybody else around us. Your spouse is not like you. Thank God, right? At the same time, you could change a little bit to be a blessing and service to your spouse. Amen? All right. So we're going to spend a little bit of time giving thanks to God, thanking God for what he has done through our song, but also through our, uh, through our giving. We're going to pass the baskets around and, and ask you to uh, support the work of our congregation. Again, our third week offerings, part of our loose plate offering is going to PLI this week. Uh, thank you for every way you support them, and, but, but you also support the work of Faith Lutheran and our ability to share this gospel news of Jesus to guide our families in marriages and in every other way. Um, you're helping us to do our work, so thank you for that. Let's sing. join together in prayer. Our gracious Lord and vision, our King of heaven, 
ruler of all. We lift up our prayers to you, trusting that you hear us for Christ's sake. On behalf of all those who are suffering and sick, those who are battling depression and addiction, those who are imprisoned, those who are victims of violence, those who are in pain, those nearing death, those facing the consequences of their actions and the actions of others. We pray that you would be their peace, their joy, their hope, their strength. For those who are mourning today, God, we lift up our prayer that you would give them comfort and faith. We pray for our brother Gary Mulheron on the passing of his Aunt Anne. We pray, Lord, for all marriages, for those who are celebrating life together in service, husbands serving wives, wives serving husbands. We thank you for those who are celebrating long years together. We thank you for Tom and Lois Murtis celebrating 40 years together, and Brian and Jackie Borkhart who are celebrating 42 years of marriage. God, we also pray for those who are grieving marriages that have ended. Pray for those who are grieving marriages never begun. Those who are desiring a partner but remaining single. We pray that you would be their peace, their consolation, their companion. For those who live as singles very much by choice, pray that nonetheless their life would be full of service, giving, loving, submitting no matter the, the relationship. God, for the newly baptized, those who are celebrating new life in Christ, we give you thanks. Pray for Bowen Mikesell, who will be baptized after our late service today at Faith. Pray that you would continue to bless him and his family as he grows to know you. His faith grows stronger. That he would be a bold witness for you. That all of us in our baptisms would be witnesses for you to the world of your goodness. God, for all of us who come to your table of mercy today, to receive the body and blood of Christ for our forgiveness, we pray for repentant faith. We pray for trust that you have set us free, made us new, washed us clean. Send us with your strength after this meal by your Holy Spirit, do your work in us to transform our minds, our souls, that we might become a little bit more like Christ today. All these prayers we lift up to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you now to greet one another in the Lord, share a time of fellowship, and give peace to the Lord.
body and blood of our Lord Jesus continue to strengthen you in faith know that you're forgiven go in peace please stand the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace and all God's people say amen, amen.